0: Good morning, new community. Uh, my name is Beck. Uh, I am married to Matt, and I'm a primary school teacher. I work part-time uh, as a primary school teacher. Matt works full-time as a physio in a hospital. And we have four... They should be coming up here. We have four young children. This photo was taken about six months ago, but um, Jonah's just started school this year... Arietta's in three-year-old kinder, and our twins, Louie and Nia, they are now 16 months old. Uh, And as you can imagine, when I go anywhere with a trolley that looks like this, people literally stop me in my tracks to tell me how I have my hands full. (laughs) And it's true, I do. And perhaps Troy has a good sense of humour but today he's asked me to come and talk to you about how to breathe. Uh, And this isn't an, an area of expertise for me. In fact, MacDalia, thank you for that demonstration because that is the most accurate description of how I have been living my life for about three years now. And so I just think that before I go on this morning, we need to pray because we need God to do the speaking this morning, not me, so let's talk to God. God, thanks that you are here with us, that you love us and that you desire to partner with us to transform this world for good. God, I've been struggling to breathe for a long time. And so as I speak this morning, I ask that it would be your words, not mine. Would you teach us and would you encourage us as we seek after your heart for our lives? Amen. Did you know that on the new community website, it says that we are a thriving group of passionate people who are pursuing God and discovering what it means to live like Jesus in today's world. When you read that, what stands out to you? (laughs) Is that an accurate description of you personally? Or do you think it's an accurate description of us as a community? Yvonne's laughing at the word thriving here. And for me, the words that stand out are thriving, passionate and pursuing God. Uh, Because at the beginning of this year, our leadership team realised that coming into 2022, there weren't very many of us who were thriving, passionate and pursuing God. I for one came into 2022 feeling pretty weary and apprehensive And so after the events of 2020 and then 2021, we spent a fair bit of time at the beginning of this year talking about this topic, breathe. And we spent a bit more than a month and the hope was that I guess in drawing attention to the way in which we breathe, that we might also draw a parallel with the way that we live. And instead of just carrying on, with our lives, without really thinking about it, as we so often do with our breathing, that we might actually uh, be able to reorient ourselves and to purposefully and intentionally step into 2022 in step with Jesus. Because here at New Community, we believe that there was a man called Jesus who came and he showed us how to live life well. And he died and he rose again so that we might be able to live in relationship with him. And we believe that when we live our lives in step with Jesus, when we pursue God, we come to thrive in the lives that he has planned for us. And we can grow with passion to pursue God and to partner with him in his mission, which is to transform this world for good. But in order to live life in step with Jesus, we need to make some space to breathe. And so when we did this topic, we asked these three questions and we encouraged you to regularly ask yourselves these three questions. We use the analogy of taking a breath. And when we breathe in asking that question, God, where are you? And when we're in that pause moment at the top of the breath, where am I? And as we've spent that time with Jesus, then being able to breathe out and ask, how do you want me to join you in this season of life? I want to acknowledge that you might be here listening this morning and you have never really breathed in this sense of the word. You've never really pursued the presence of God and his work in your life. And so today I want to invite you perhaps to start to wrestle with these questions for yourself. In January when we did this topic, I was totally on board because like many of you, I was worn out but I was also so sick of just surviving. I'd been surviving for a really long time. I pressed that survival mode button really early on in 2020 and at the start of this year, I was really hoping that this would be a year where I'd be able to begin to thrive. It had been a long time when we started this year since I had been able to come to Jesus with a full cup and an open heart, ready to serve. But with the easing of restrictions and the absence of lockdowns at the beginning of this year, I was filled with a little bit of hope. After 2021, there was maybe a little bit less hope than I had at the end of 2020, but I was filled with a little bit of hope at the beginning of this year that... I might be a bit more empowered this year and I would be able to breathe again. (laughs) And then 2022 happened. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We've had floods. We have had construction companies collapse, financial ruin for so many people. This picture here is an accurate depiction of how much I get for $200 at the grocery the supermarket at the moment. The cost of living is hurting. We've had so much politics continuing over uh, vaccine mandates. We've had the war in Ukraine. Staff are hard to find pretty much anywhere at the moment. There's just such burnout. Uh, And and if you're anything like my family, you might relate to this picture. Because you've been sick... (laughs) Now, my kids aren't even old enough. I don't even get any of the pink chunk. I only get dirty laundry and mostly the plague that comes home from daycare. We have been sick for about six months. Look, there have been a couple of days there at a time where I haven't dispensed Panadol to one of the four children, but I reckon probably maximum's been five days. It's just been relentless. And just when we think we've gotten through one illness, someone comes down with something else. In fact, I've had an extra amount of time to prepare for this talk this morning because I got hand, foot and mouth. <laughs> and so now we're halfway through 2022 and things potentially aren't going quite as well as what we'd hoped. And I'm here to ask you again this morning, how are you going? That taking time out in your life to breathe to pursue God. How are you going following Jesus? If we're going to talk about following Jesus this morning, I thought we might open our Bibles to Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 57 to 62. If you've got your app there on your phone or your Bible, feel free to look it up, Luke chapter 9. Uh, In Luke, we find that Jesus is on a journey to Jerusalem. uh, And the story that we read today comes with a sense of urgency because Jesus knows that when he does arrive in Jerusalem, he's going to be rejected by his people and killed by the Romans. But he still goes. And as he travels on his way to Jerusalem, he spells out for his disciples and for his, any would-be disciples and for us as well exactly what following him looks like. And wherever he goes, he gives people the opportunity to join him. So let's have a read in verse 57 to 58 of chapter 9. As they were walking along a road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. To which Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So here we meet a man who I think really wanted to be a constant follower of Jesus. And while this man was really eager... Jesus' answer comes as a bit of a warning. He draws attention to the fact that his chosen style of life was a travelling one, one of homelessness and insecurity. Jesus could see that this man's intentions were not altogether Honorable, You see, the man could see the crowds and the miracles and all the enthusiasm and it seemed so good to be closely associated with the one who is in the centre of all the action. And so he wanted to follow Jesus, but he didn't realise what that might entail long term. And so Jesus is living in such a way that he has to trust God for all of his daily le- needs, his food, his shelter, his clothes. And so he wants this man to realise that following him is not always going to be easy and that permanent discipleship actually implies struggle. And so in essence, Jesus says, following me isn't going to be easy. You're going to have to trust God. And then the story goes on. In verse 59, Jesus actually says to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. To which Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This second man, he doesn't actually offer to follow Jesus. Jesus invites him. It's thought that the man had been in the audience that was sort of following Jesus around for some time, that he was pretty enthusiastic about Jesus. He spoke really favourably about him and he probably did want to be in that inner circle of people who were really committed and following Jesus. But he just wasn't quite ready yet. Now, his request to uh, go and bury his father seems absolutely reasonable. In Israel, giving an honourable burial to the dead was of utmost importance. But it has been suggested that this man's father wasn't actually dead yet. And so what he was really requesting was an indefinite postponement. And so while Jesus' response seems a bit... Stark and perhaps maybe a bit offensive. What he's really trying to communicate to this man is that the kingdom of God is here now. That now is the time to follow and that there is actually nothing worth postponing this for. And so he says, in essence, now's the time to follow me. There is nothing more important and then the story goes on and another man says I will follow you Lord but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family to which Jesus replied no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God Almost 10 years ago now, Matt and I took a year off and we went to the UK. And we lived in Shropshire, in England, and I did some agency teaching work for a while. And one day, I was called out to a village kindergarten to be the emergency kindergarten teacher for the day. And while I was there, I was really struck with the way that uh, some of the boys were playing with the trucks. Because I'm really accustomed to little boys just like racing cars around and crashing them together and making siren noises and all that kind of thing. And I sat down on the carpet to play with some of these little kids and there was a little boy there and he had his truck and this is what he was doing with it. He just had it going really slowly in a straight line and as he did it, he just said, plow, 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 plow. I had never seen a kid do that with a truck before, but I was in country England. And that's what you do when you plough. He knew exactly what he was doing. Because when you plough, you have to keep your eyes ahead because you want to make sure that those lines are straight. And while this man wanted to follow Jesus, he was really saying... I'll follow you if my family gives their permission. To which Jesus said, just as ploughing is a precise art that requires our full and undivided attention, so discipleship requires that you focus on me, on Jesus. If we gaze all around and we take our cues from anyone else, we'll quickly go wrong and lose our way. And so this man's heart was divided. He wanted to multitask to please both his family and Jesus. He wanted to do this impossible task of looking back while also moving forward, to which Jesus says, no, 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 keep your eyes on me. I wonder what it is that you need to hear from Jesus this morning. If any of these things that he was teaching his disciples and would be disciples are things that you need to learn as well. Perhaps like the first man, you've been unprepared for the struggle that it can be to follow Jesus sometimes. Or like the second, are you postponing offering yourself to Jesus because there are some other things that you need to get done first? Or maybe like the third, your focus is torn in different directions, making it difficult for you to remember to breathe. Somewhere along the way, in 2020, I started holding my breath. I started waiting for the next lockdown to end, or for kinder to reopen, or for school to not be online anymore, or for the morning sickness to go away, or for the house to be finished, or for the twins to be born, or for the next lockdown to go away, or for the vaccine to be rolled out, or for us to all be healthy. And I'm still struggling to breathe. I've been trying so hard to make life a little easier, to create a little bit of breathing space, before offering myself to Jesus Because for a long time now, I have not had an open heart and a full cup. I have been tired and I have found it hard to engage with God. At the beginning of June this year, I spent a couple of nights in hospital with our um, little boy, Louis. And this came after a really long string of different illnesses in our family and um, by this stage I had no sick leave accrued at work and you have to apply for leave online at my school and so every time I went to apply for leave it would just bounce back at me with this error (laughs) that I needed to contact HR and I just felt like it was bouncing back at me with this big failure sign and I returned home from the hospital with Louis only to find that Nia was completely miserable with bilateral ear infections and there was just no room to breathe. And so the day after we got home from hospital, I was feeling pretty defeated and overwhelmed and Matt sent me to go out for a walk by myself. No pram, no scooters, no bikes, just me. And as I walked, I talked to God So I just felt like I was failing in so many areas of life. I couldn't manage to keep the kids well. I was missing more days at work than I'd like to. My interactions with God had been so limited and it had just been too long since I had had the capacity to care for anybody outside of my own household. And even though I was working so hard, the story that I'd been telling myself was that things should be easier by now and I should be doing better than I am doing right now. And so I felt like nothing that I was doing was enough. And you can see very quickly from that train of thought, I spiralled into these feelings that I wasn't enough. And as I walked, Jesus whispered to me, but my grace is enough for you. Told you I was going to cry. I told you it was okay. Okay. (laughs) So I came home and I looked it up and it's in 2 Corinthians 12 and it's Paul who's talking and he talks about this thorn in his flesh or this handicap, talks about it as a handicap in the message. Um, there's so much speculation about what this thorn in his flesh might have been. We don't, we don't know what it was. Maybe it was a recurrent um, disease or uh, maybe it was just referring to the constant persecution and suffering that um, Paul experienced. But whatever it was for Paul, it made his life hard. And so he says in 2 Corinthians... I've received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And so I read it, and I felt a little like Paul because I've been pleading with God to make life a little easier, to give me some space to breathe for a while now. And so I began to wrestle with what does it mean when he says, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness. And I'm comforted by the fact that Paul begged not once, but three times for God to take his burden away. It, was, it wasn't that Paul didn't get an answer the first time. He did. He got the same answer every time. So perhaps maybe like me, Paul found the answer a little hard to grasp. But eventually it sinks in. And Paul goes on to say, So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ for when I am weak then I am strong so what's this grace we're talking about grace is God's power in your life to do the things that you can't do for yourself perhaps like that first be uh, would-be follower of Jesus in our story today I have been unprepared for the struggle that it has been to follow Jesus this last couple of years because I have not been used to depending on the grace of God. I have spent most of my life with a great capacity for doing and so it's been a very humbling transition to go from being the one who's looking out for other people to being the one who needs the help. But Paul says, it's okay to be weak, to need help. In fact, I rejoice in weakness because it's when I'm weak that I get to experience the power of God in my life. But still, what, is that? what does that really look like? When Louis and Nia were just five weeks old... Uh, Our house extensions, of course, we extended the house when we found out it was twins. Our house extensions were nearly complete. And uh, on the day that we were set to move back home, I woke up with that terrible pain and an urgency to feed the babies. Many of you mothers out there will be able to relate to that feeling. Well, long story short, for the next month... I was uh, in and out of hospital for days at a time, receiving uh, the medication and the help that I needed to get better. And Matt was at home with all of the kids, including our two newborn babies. And I remember at one appointment with a doctor, when he realised that there was not one but two babies in my pram, he looked at me with concern and he said, have you got some support at home and by the grace of God I could say yes I do we are part of a great church community who are helping by bringing us meals by looking after our big kids by helping my husband feed the babies overnight doing our washing to which he replied where is this church I want to go there And whilst I was grappling with a whole lot of emotions at the time and I couldn't really see it, the doctor could see very clearly the grace of God at work in my life in the very practical acts of love and kindness, of people stepping in to do the things that I could not do for myself. And so maybe like me, you need a mindset shift Instead of waiting for things to improve before you can begin to breathe again, you need to learn how to breathe when life's a struggle. It's taken me a while, but I am in the process of learning how to come to Jesus with an empty cup and with arms full of children and say, Here I am. I'm wiped, but I'm breathing. Can you join me today? In his commentary on Luke, Darrell Bock says a major obstacle to pursuing God's call is to think that we need to get security in other areas of our lives before we can be freed up to serve as He wishes. And in the process, we short circuit what God calls us to do when we get distracted with personal security issues. Sometimes we can be most effective when God has us in a place where our reliance on him is a necessity and is obvious to all around us. The spiritual life as Jesus sees it is not a life of comfort but of risk, exposure, weakness and vulnerability. He wants us to venture out in waters where the course has not been charted out clearly Simply relying on Him to give us the opportunity to do what we have been created to do. Without trust, it's impossible to please God or serve Him effectively. But the call of God will never take us to a place where the grace of God cannot sustain us. And so, before we finish up, I just want to talk a little bit about question three about how do you want me to join you in this season of life. When I first came to New Community as a 17-year-old, I heard Troy talk about the kingdom of God in a way that I had never heard before. And for me, it revolutionised my faith. The phrase, partnering with God to transform this world for good, gave my whole pursuit of following Jesus It just made it make so much more sense. It gave my life meaning and purpose. And I was inspired. And that's what that third question's there for. It's there to inspire us. Don't make the same mistake that I have made by becoming burdened and overwhelmed by question three. Our desire here at New Community as we talk about taking time to breathe is that we can encourage you to pursue God in your own life. And can I encourage you, as I am learning to, to open your eyes to what's right in front of you. Because this isn't meant to be overly complicated. God simply wants to be a part of the people and the places where you spend your time each day. Jesus tells us that following him is not going to be easy, but now is the time to follow him. Whether your cup is full and you're ready to serve, or whether you are feeling burdened and depleted, Now is the time because God's grace is always enough when our eyes are on him. And so as we sing this last song, can I encourage you to breathe deeply, to take a moment to pursue the presence of God because he is good and his grace is enough.